Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to tonight's edition of Springboard, your virtual university. Thank you for joining us on your favorite leadership and personal development show. This is the platform where your personal value is enriched on a weekly basis. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstation Joy 99.7 FM. The broadcast is made possible by some of the nation's favorite brands. Springboard would like to thank these companies for supporting us in our human capital agenda for the year 2020. MTN Ghana's number one network, the Enterprise Group, UMB Bank, and Axis Pension Trust. Let's say a big thank you to Graphic Business, our print media partner, and of course, my joy online. Let's start the show, and if you are with us on Facebook, you know everything is going to roll out in a very special way tonight. For those of you on radio as well, let's stretch the issues and let's get perspective. My name is Albert Okren. I'm here with my virtual academic board chaired by Comfort and featuring Matthew Priscilla, David Amos, Emmanuel, and Jojo. So last week's discussion on mental health trended quite a bit on my joy online on graphic business our favorite page 18 and of course on facebook and the big story was that the fact that the impact of having 41 percent of Ghanaians having psychological distress translated to productivity loss amounting to seven percent loss of the nation's gdp many of you tried to calculate and share the numbers with us but today i want to take a discussion further and look at the personal front for many of you at the tail end of the show and after you called and reached out to share your personal stories of mental health distress so we agreed to do a second show to look at how can we help the person going through difficulty to know what to do where they can find help what are the answers what are the opportunities that are available to them and by the way how does it pan out in the corporate workplace do we even know what to look out for when somebody has a mental health challenge and are we able to help them in the ways that we should or are we so focused on our numbers that we don't even notice when the person is shrinking or sliding into difficulty? Those are the issues we want to discuss today. And most importantly, help everyone listening to find out how to live a more fulfilling and more complete life, especially in the area of our mental health. So tonight you're looking at psychological issues or psychological distress and productivity. I have in the studio Mr. Samuel Boafu, the head of human resources at Carl Bank. Sam, welcome to Springboard. Thank you, awesome. Good to see you this year. Well, nice seeing you too. Happy Shaba. Happy community. Great. We'll be joined shortly by Professor Angela Priata, who was here with us last week. She's a clinical psychologist at the Ghana University of Ghana Medical School. If you have questions, if you have thoughts concerning this issue, send it to us by WhatsApp 024-9999555. We'll be opening the phone lines along the line for you to share your own challenge, your own observations, and how we can make this country a place where if you have a mental health issue, you can find help and there's no stigma about it. In our Data is King segment, Amos will tell us how much mental damage occurs before the age of 18, and guess what? The role of social media. You will find it very, very instructive. In our Game Changer segment, you will tell us why a bed in hand must be firmly secured before, you before we think of the two in the bush. This one, you will like it. All right, so let's start with our quote for the day. Juju, let's start with what is our quote 
for today. So today's quote is from William, William Shakespeare, who says, There is no darkness but ignorance. <laughs> the cost of ignorance is obviously a, a, a big one. What, what, in your opinion, is the cost of ignorance? I mean, you, you can look at it this way. You can sometimes buy something and feel like you've gotten a great deal and you don't even realize that the same product or an even better one could be at the store next door for half the price. Or probably the, even in the same shop. Right. <laughs> Ignorance is extremely expensive and painful sometimes. All right, let me dedicate this show tonight to somebody very, very special, Reverend Eric Kwapon. Tomorrow is your 60th birthday. At midnight today, I'll start singing worship songs because as for you, your life is all about worship, lifting up the name of the Lord. So let me dedicate this show to you. Reverend Eric Kwapong at 60 tomorrow. Let me greet Uncle James Abel White. Yesterday I had the privilege of being at the book launch of a book called Be the Difference, the life and story of Ibo White and the leadership lessons for the new African, written by Yalsun Poetry. Beautiful book, well put together, and I believe something that everyone needs to have. And so let me greet first Ibo White and of course Yalsun Poetry for doing that excellent work about somebody that I hold very dear and we love very much here at Springboard. So let me start with you, um, Sam, for somebody who runs the human resource function. Um, how big is a discussion about mental health um, within the framework of a corporate organization? Okay, thank you. Um, we, we, within an organizational context, of course, you understand that when it comes to employee health and well-being, it's always been on the physical illness side. So you find that most organizations do a lot of investment in that area, making sure that when people fall sick, you know, they have access to Medicare, and they are provided all the support that they will need. Um, lately, there have been discussions on complementing that with the, um, the, the, the discussions on employee mental health. Um, for, for want of not stigmatizing people and making people feel, I mean, the way that, that subject is discussed within the, uh, the country, it, it creates the impression that when people have mental health challenges, they are seen to be mad or going there, right. you know. So the conversations have not been on, you know, people having mental disorders. It's all about people having mental uh, 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 psychological challenges at work, and, 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 it's, and it's coming up. Um, just to, just so that we, we can put it in perspective, when the the director of the psychiatric hospital, is it Dr. Osain? Yeah. yeah. Well, when he came up, yes, when he came up with that statistic that 41% of Ghanaian workers, I mean, that was what the interpretation, the contest that with it. It literally brought home the fact that, hey, and he was very stuck in saying that, listen, at the workplace, it can translate as much as to say that one out of four may have one mental challenge or the other. Right. And so that was a clear reality that we needed to do something let me just give, let me just give you those numbers again just so you get it very clearly so it was said that 41 percent of all Ghanaians have one form of psychological issue or another yeah but in the case of 19 percent which is approximately 20 percent one out of five yeah it is serious enough exactly to require help, help. exactly and so it was it was suggested that one out of five people yeah. has 
a considerable, considerable mental, mental health challenge. issue. Yes. For you as um, a person running HR in a company, yes. how big is this for you? Well, it's big because these are latent issues. Unfortunately, even people who are aware or may be aware that they may be constrained one way or other in terms of their capacity to do the work may not be willing to come forward. You know, so in, in terms of reported cases, you do not have individuals owning up and walking up to you and say, I think I need help in this area. Most of them may be resorting to the physical or if you like the, the normal clinical assessment to see what could be wrong. But there, there have been a few occasions where people do make comments. Um, in our case, we, we had to bring in an expert to train our line managers, you know, on mental health issues and a few tips on how they can make an assessment, an initial assessment to see whether this person will require help or not. And from that angle, we've been able to, you know, put in some measures to be able to pick up people early. And then if uh, uh, the assessment is done and they need that further help, then they are provided. So from your from your perspective, of course, you are not an expert in mental health. I mean, but you, for, for, for somebody running the function, what 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 are some of the telltale signs that if you saw will give you cause for concern or what are some of the issues that immediately will be red flags for you? Okay, the the, the obvious ones that come up are two dynamic issues. You know, this person's uh, involvement and normal productivity level starts going down and people begin to observe certain unusual traits about that individual and so it, it, it creates room for people to begin to question what, what is going on here. Sometimes people get so dysfunctional that they can't really contribute to any meaningful discussions, and then that's when the target starts going down. And in some cases, it, it, it leads to some kind of um, unprovoked, if you like, quarrels or team tensions, and then people begin to ask, what is, what is going on here? And then the issues may are picked up and you know investigated further to see what kind of issue we may be dealing with. It is 13 minutes past the hour of seven o'clock. If you just join us, this is Springboard of Virtual University. Today we are continuing our discussion about mental health. We're bringing in the organizational context and seeing how big an issue is this for individuals who also are working in organizations. We are looking at how can we even help somebody when these telltale signs begin to emerge. And we'll be, we'll be zeroing in on that very, very, very shortly. We'll even get a perspective from a, an outside jurisdiction to find out how come, how come they talk about these things very freely. And yet in our part of the world, it's almost, it almost sounds like if you came up and said I had a mental health challenge, everybody will tend to look at you in a very, very difficult way. That's yeah. the conversation we are having. And my guest for tonight is Samuel Boafu, the, the head of human resources at Calbank, who will be joined um, along the line by Dr. Uh, Professor Angela Ufriata to bring us also her perspective, as she did last week, about remedies that are open to people having mental health challenges. So Sam, if somebody began to manifest these signs that you talk about, drop in productivity, un, unprovoked or unwarranted quarrels or tension uh, in, in the team effort, yeah. what, what would be the first line response from the HR uh, perspective? Okay. Um by training, uh, I do have some psychology background as well. So the, the, the first thing that I do is to have, uh, invite the individual for a conversation. 
you know, in the conversation is not really to, as it were, diagnose. It's, it's to help me appreciate it. Sometimes it can be issue of this person having one challenge that has nothing to do with um, an, a mental health issue or psychological health. It may be uh, um, team dynamics that the individual doesn't feel, you know, the environment may be a bit hostile and, and all. So you, sometimes you need to understand what is going on. There have been instances where people, as a result of an experience that may happen in the work, you know, clearly come up with conditions that, that, that tell you that there could be something beyond as a result of, say, a decision or an action that I, I took that resulted in an unpleasant, if you like, circumstance. People tend to withdraw and not want to make any decision for fear of creating another, you know, set of condition again. So the first level is to have the conversation and understand, trying to understand exactly what's going on with the individual and where the account from the line manager side and my interventions, you know, give me the information that there could be underlying issues beyond the physical uh, health issue. We'll refer that individual to see uh, a counselor for, for help. Right. We'll be opening the phone lines very shortly. We we'll also want to find out from your own perspective, some of you reached out last week and said, this is something that is very, very prevalent in our space, but very, very little is being said about it and very little is being done about it. The questions that people are asking, do our organizations really care? And are they even equipped to help us? Some one of the points that came up um, from the perspective of people who, um, who sent messages, especially at the tail end of the show, when the, course, the courses were put out there, it seemed, the suggestion was that the focus in many organizations is purely on targets, targets, and targets. And some industries were cited as being high-tension industries, including yours. Yes. <laughs> Should I say, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But, but let, let me, I, I, somebody who sent a text yesterday, for instance, said she moved, last week, said she moved from one financial institution because of too much tension yeah. to another and it was almost like from frying pan to fire. to fire. So yes. she moved out of that one to some. Yeah. Is it the case that your industry is a high-tension industry? And if so, um, how can we achieve what you, what you want to achieve, the targets, and at the same time find the balance between helping people to, to, to live complete lives? Yeah, it's true, um, Rev. Um, the, the, the dynamics in which banks are operating in the country have changed. Um, of course, with competition, you know, intensifying, everybody going after the same customer, dwindling margins, and also the the uh, emergence of the telcos in the area of uh, the financial services is, is stretching out the 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 output of most banks in terms of the traditional ways that revenues are earned, and so that calls for new ways of doing things and in these cases the shareholder wouldn't you know um accept the fact that because competition is difficult so you're unable to return you know a good uh, a dividend to them the the, the the shareholder at the end of the day expects that div- dividend anyway irrespective of that so so pay, banks are finding other innovative ways and that will mean that for you the individual on the phone front you also have to you know, and uh, understand the environment that is operating now. Telcos now, um, if I dare to say, hold more cash in deposit than banks. 
and and, and chasing <laughs> technology disruption is is a big issue everywhere. Yes, it's, it's even in church. Yes, it's everywhere. So what you what you are alluding to is the fact that the changing business model and the tensions that it brings yeah. could also probably affect the organization. To, yes. Right. So the organization itself, if 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 I to put it that way, is feeling stressed. Right. And then that translates to uh, I was having a conversation with you offline in terms of how you know we are driving people you know that to be able to deliver what the the shareholders expect at the end and you will have to go through it in order to get the numbers. Nineteen minutes past the hour of seven and from the, in the west of Sambuafu, the organization itself is stressed. Once it is stressed, some of it will be passed on to you, the the, the staff. We'll be, we'll, be, we'll be getting a perspective from a different jurisdiction to find out, is it the same in other parts of the world or is it the case that here in Ghana, we, we are literally pounding ourselves and, 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 and not looking at the balance. And talking about pounding, I'm going to bring you a very special message called Learning Excellence Through Pressure. I will bring it to, to us this month. It will be extremely, extremely interesting because it will tell you how the the pressures that we go to shape and mold us to become the best that we can be. And so we'll find a balance between finding that excellence and, 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 and the offshoot that we are talking about today. But if you just joined us, we'll be opening the phone lines so you can also tell us your own experience, your own lessons, and your own challenges. But, but Sam Boafu, yes. do you, as organizations have arrangements, in-house arrangements in place to help people who suddenly begin, begin to manifest some of the signs that you mentioned? Well, well, when we started getting serious about mental health, um, one of the first things that we did was to get a counselor in, you know, as a, a clinical psychologist, to run the first line in terms of educating line managers on these issues and even assessing they as individuals, you know, they, they, themselves in terms of their their psychological health, let me put it that way, because the point was that if you don't know who you are when it comes to your mental health issues, you will not may you may be compounding an issue for somebody. And even if there was an, an individual who has those conditions, you may also be contributing. So that was the first line of action that we did. And of course, those that came up with conditions that required some kind of an assessment, they were referred to see their counselor. So we have this counselor on, um, if you like, a retainer basis that as and when the cases are referred to us, uh, we, we do refer them to see this counsellor for help. I'm getting perspective from other HR heads as well. And tonight, what we're trying to do is to find out how do we help the individual going through these challenges? What mechanisms are available? And in many cases, somebody just needs somebody to be able to talk to about the issues or somebody to have a listening ear as they open up to the issues that they are battling with. Sam, why would that be a very difficult thing to find? Somebody to just listen without judging you and to help you walk through the issues. Unfortunately, the the, the case of uh, mental health in Ghana has always been associated with um, a psychiatric condition, you know, and the, the, the mere fact that you have been asked to see a psychologist you know, necessarily trigger the point that what is wrong with you? Do you have some mental condition or the other? So even my line manager, me going to my line manager to say, I think I need help in this area, is an issue because will this person use it against me? Will this person get me out and bring somebody in because I think that the challenges that I'm dealing with has something to do with my 
mental health, you know. So the, it, it, it is just one of the key basic issues that how would my colleagues, how would my supervisor see me reporting that I think that I have this condition. And again, this is not a situation that they can go to any hospital to attend. So one of the things we're seeking to do is to set up an off-site, you know, facility in one of our training institutions that people can go off the, the normal workplace without having to attract that attention of everybody saying that this person is going to see this counselor. Let me get perspective from the USC, from a colleague of ours who has been here with us at Springboard at the very foundations, was was was, was uh, our, uh, our assistant in the very first edition of Springboard all the way back in 2007, also was co-producing the show here, right here in Joy 99.7 FM with us who travel to the U.S., works in a medical facility, uh, and has interactions with mental health on a regular basis. Angela Fusuyimabek, good evening. Good evening, Reverend. Family's good? Family's good. Family's good. We are doing great. Thank you for asking. So let's go straight to the issue of mental health. I mean, I'm having a discussion with my my, my brother, my friend, um, Sam Wafu here. We are talking about the issue of mental health. Last week when we finished the show, um, as you all allude to, there was quite some discussion and a lot of response with people sending us their own personal situations. And as you were watching on Facebook, you, you reach out to us and say, listen, this is regular discussion here and one can easily talk about it without feeling any sense of stigma or anything. Let's juxtapose your right. experience in, here in Ghana against what pertains where you are in the U.S. in terms of how freely people can talk about mental health issues and how much help they can get at the click of a button. Angela, give us perspective. Well, Reverend, thank you for having me. Um, I live most of my adult life in Ghana, and I never heard any talk in any area of my life. Um, neither school was about mental health. Um, I've only been in the U.S. just about a decade, and the amount of information that I have acquired and I have heard over the years about mental health is tremendous. Um, as a registered nurse, I uh, come into contact with a lot of patients with mental health issues. And, Reverend, I just want to point it out. Everybody has mental health. Mental health is like your health. Everybody has mental health. There is a difference between mental health and mental illness. Mental illness has different categories, and so those are the basic things that we need to clear, clarify. Um, being here in the States and also most likely in my line of work as a registered nurse, I do come into contact with patients with mental health issues, with uh, mental illness, which could inc- include depression, psychosis, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, um, autism, PTSD, as you alluded to last week on your show. The thing that makes a difference in our country, my country back home in Ghana and um, the United States of America is the fact that we talk about it a lot here. And one thing I want to mention is the fact that there is increasing exposure and then um, we talk about the facts. Even in nursing school, I was mentioning to you the other day about how we have to go for a rotation in mental health. There are institutions here that have patients that are there if they have mental illnesses that are there. So you have to interact with them. You have to know what the issues are. So that sort of opens you up these things even before you become a medical person, be it a doctor, be it a nurse, be it any aspect of um, being in the medical field. So you already are open to these things. Again, I want to mention the fact that it's the exposure and the fact that we do talk about it. 
that has made a difference in, in the mental health issue here in the United States. Angela, you, you mentioned the fact that the ordinary person who's going through a challenge can easily get access to somebody to talk to. We are finding out, I mean, in our discussion here, it seems to be the case that um, more or less when a person has a challenge and mentions it, it's kind of stigmatized. It's, it's, it sounds like um, you're you are not well. I mean, as Angie said, as, as, as yeah, a discussion, queen. as the, as the, as as, as was mentioned the last time to the Abodam. But really, mm-hmm. as has been alluded to by the experts, it's quite widespread and not necessarily a case that once once you have a challenge, you are deranged or, 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 or mad. Right. Right. Um, the, the, and Reverend, you are right about that. Um, over here, there are avenues open. There are therapies that people can go to. And I know that your guest from last week... Um, um, Dr. Oporiata, she's a clinical psychologist. These are avenues that people have access to. As a, as a nurse, you come to the hospital as a patient, we are taught to ask you about your mental health. If I have a patient that has a diagnosis of, say, bipolar, my first thing when I go to the patient, aside their medical issue, is to ask them whether they want a social work consult. And that opens them up to more opportunities that they can talk about the fact that they have bipolar in Ghana, we don't have anything like that so people are suffering people are people do have diagnosis but they haven't been officially diagnosed the the exposure and the fact that we look at the facts here is what has made a difference so i'm trained as a nurse to ask a patient you have i see that you have bipolar in your diagnosis do you want a social worker to talk to you about anything and so that opens people up. They see that, okay, these people care. So people are more able to talk about the issues as versus in Ghana where you dare not mention that you have even anxiety. You are looked upon as, like Reverend, you said, Abadam. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest differences that I'm seeing. Final point. Do you have hotlines, helplines that one can call um, and get some help anonymously? Yes, yes, yes. There are there are there are hotlines in the hospital, Awakayoni Haven Hospital. There are hotlines even within the hospital system itself, even for staff members, even for staff. Never mind patients. So there are hotlines. There are clinical psychologists. There are um, <clears throat> excuse me, even in schools for children, even in elementary schools, high schools, colleges. There are hotlines that people can anonymously call in and say, Hey, I'm going through this. I need help. So all those avenues are there. And then there is a self-training too. So all those avenues are there. But unfortunately in Ghana, we don't have that. And so it makes it harder for people to open up and say that, I am suffering with this issue. Can you help me? Thank you very much, Angela Fusuyimabeko, for bringing perspective. We'll we'll come back and talk to uh, uh, our resident Angela, Professor Angela Furiata, after this break. But let me tell you about the Springboard 2020 Roadshow and why you must get yourself in readiness for what is going to hit you in the next couple of weeks. As you know, for the 13th year running, we're going to have the Springboard Roadshow. And the 2020 edition is under the same theme, as the radio, the radio broadcast for this year, that is preparing for the future. We are scoping four thematic areas, professional development, financial independence, property acquisition, and healthy living. And 
and and by a popular request, we are putting out some amazing, amazing experiences and amazing prizes to be won by people who come just to hang out with us at the Springboard Ratio. Big mentors, big CEOs, big conferences, and very importantly, big opportunities. Some very, very amazing surprises. If you are an emerging leader, a young tertiary executive, or a student, catch the action live in Kumasi on the 22nd of February at the Calvary Charismatic Center. If you're living in Cape Coast, it's the University of Cape Coast, and it's on Saturday the 7th of March, and then, of course, the Global Convocation. That huge one in Accra, it's on the 21st of March. So it's the 22nd of February, the 7th of March, and the 21st of March. Lock down these dates, and, of course, get ready to watch us online from any part of the world if you are a springboard fan. If you are not as yet a Springboard fan, if you love quality information to help you improve your life, sign up to Springboard and be part of the experience. The number to call for any details, 024 Springboard 2020 is brought to us by MTN, Governor's Number One Network, UMB Bank, and the Enterprise Group. I'm going to go for a brief commercial break. When I come back, let me get perspective from Professor Oforiata. Angela alluded to the fact that some of the things that she discussed, we don't have them here in Ghana. But there are several things we have in Ghana too that people don't know about and for that reason, struggle where they could easily get help. Stay tuned and let's find out what do we have on the ground and what can we do when we begin to see these signs in our loved ones at home or at work. Please don't go away. When you don't have the Enterprise Advantage app, you're not in control. Boss. Yes, I could see. I'm at where they sell the coats. What size do you like? Ah, what coat? Coat, coat, office coat. Ah, I said get me a coat. Quotation from Enterprise. Ah, you pa. Oh. What coat? Save yourself from the stress. Take advantage of the Enterprise Advantage app. Make your claims, check statements, request for a coat, and buy a policy from any of our subsidiaries. What's more, you can also get health tips, traffic information, find mechanic shops, and more on your Enterprise Advantage app. Download the Enterprise Advantage app on Google Play and Apple Store now. Here is to 95 years of trust. Enterprise, your advantage. How do you intend to sustain yourself when you retire? My children will take care of me when I'm retired. I am a professional. I can work till 80. Some people leave their retirement to chance. How are you planning yours? Your attitude today can help you avoid struggling to survive when you retire. With 50 Ghana City's monthly investment in the Axis Pension Plan, you can accumulate 700,000 Ghana cities in 30 years. This investment will guarantee you retirement income that far exceeds your current income. Visit www.axispension.com to sign up or call 0302-543-287 or 0544-321-966 for details. Axis Pension Trust, your reliable partner in pensions. Thank you for showing up at our monthly meeting. I have some good news for you today. electricity credit, Oh, relax, 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 relax. I am not increasing it. I just want you to know, from today, you have your own meter. So now you buy exactly what you want to use. Flexi bundling. What's the customize, Anna? Oh, yes. Just like that. And it doesn't expire, too. Ah, a fuck. 
Life is good with MTN Flexi Bundle. Now you have full control to pick and choose your very own bundle packages. Whether you want to bundle 3 Pestwest, 20 Pestwest, 20 CDs, 30 Pestwest, or even 115 CDs, we dare for you. Just dial star 138 hash or star 170 hash to enter any amount. And bingo, you are good to go. So go ahead and enjoy bundles that don't expire. That's why we're good together. We dare for you everywhere you go. 25 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. This is Springboard of Virtual University. You're looking at productivity. You're looking at living a full life. And in the process, you're also looking at some of the challenges that stand in our way in the area of our health. And today, in particular, we are focusing on mental health. A discussion we had last week that opened um, a lot of responses from many of you saying we have challenges, but who do we talk to? Let me welcome our... Let me call her our resident counselor, Professor Angela Ferrata, uh, on the line with us tonight. Prof, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Excellent, excellent. And we are we are delving even more into this subject. We just got perspective from somebody who shared how freely they discuss mental health issues in, in their jurisdiction, that is a Ghanaian living in the U.S. Um, mm. and, and, and she was saying, how come in all her life in Ghana, she never um, had it being discussed so freely without any stigma? Angela, is this something that you also are concerned about? Um, well, yes. Um, I think stigma um, really um, damages um, people's confidence to seek help, Um, being afraid that you will be thought you are less than, you know, um, that you will be looked down upon, that your family will be shunned, um, and all of that really stops people from reaching out to get help and from talking about their experiences with mental health and mental illness. Um, so it's it's a problem. Let me let me let me before I get down to the signs we should, we should look for and how to get help. Mm-hmm. Can I also say, uh, Prof, that sometimes even the state of the mental hospital could be possibly a deterrent to somebody. A friend of mine said for him the most humiliating thing was taking his brother to the facility and looking at the way the way it was set out. Is 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 that is that concern um, um real? I know you've, yeah, you you personally have championed the support of that facility for years and many others have but yeah. just the state of that facility could not also not be an issue. It definitely is. And the Aquas Psychiatric Hospital was built over a hundred years ago as an asylum. And um, there, there have been uh, small rehabilitations of various wards um, up till now. Um, now on a more regular basis, I think, with help from the public. Um, the, um, but I think that it is a, a concern because if um, people with mental health problems have the same rights as people with physical ill problems, and the state or psychiatric institutions have to be the same as the state of of physical health institutions, um, that that is really uh, speaks to the spirit of the constitution. And one of the reasons why psychiatric hospitals have not been have tended not to be upgraded is the stigma 
um, associated with mental health, even among healthcare professionals. Um, so that that stigma is often extended to um, uh, nurses, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists who work in mental health from their physical health colleagues. And very often the people who make the decisions about how money is spent um, have not thought that it is um, it is as important to spend money in mental health. It is something that we, we, it's something we are expecting and, and hoping, praying and trusting and, and demanding and believing that it will change in the shortest possible time. But Angie, let's go to uh, um, one oh, incident. Yes, I would like to say that it will, it will change. I think that, um, um, that the Accra Psychiatric Hospital is planning, um, has begun plans towards um, rebuilding a modern psychiatric facility um, in that same place where it is. And that is where it is supposed to be. Um, if you look at that road of the Accra Psychiatric Hospital, you will find that there is a polyclinic directly opposite it and there is a regional hospital um, on that same road. And so having a psychiatric hospital on that road constitutes very good city planning um, so that workers in that neighborhood can have access. And, and it's a very easily accessible place in Accra, from Circle, from Tema Station, and, and all over Accra. You know, you can come, get your daycare, and then you can leave. Or when you have acute care needs, you will, you will, you know, you can just, just by going to Ridge Hospital or Kolibu or whatever. I will also say that um, Kolibu Teaching Hospital has a, um, a, a state-of-the-art ward, a psychiatric ward, um, in the, med- the old medical block. And it has um, an outpatient, um, a very vibrant outpatient clinic. Um, um, so there's places people can go for help, Angie? Sorry? So there's places that people can go and they can get help? Like, yes, the people can get up. And in Okonfanochi, there's a department of psychiatry as well, uh, run by a very young, vibrant uh, team. Um, very, you know, enthusiastic team of, of uh, young psychiatrists, specialists, you know. And so I, I think that the state of mental health is improving in Ghana. And... Um, it's still a long way from where we all would like it to be, but at least we're making some strides. The fact that you're having this conversation alone on Springboard mm-hmm. is proof that we've come a long way. But let me push this button mm-hmm. to where we left off last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall um, um, a couple of years ago, um, there was in the news, somebody had, had taken their lives. And mm-hmm. one of the questions people kept asking is, how come nobody noticed it? How come nobody saw that the person was going through difficulties? And it later emerged that the person had apparently been showing some signs that they were, there was distress and nobody seemed to notice. Let me, let mm-hmm. me ask you, Angela. What mm-hmm. are some of the first level of signs that one should look out for? And then what are the signs that it has gotten to a serious stage? So that when, once we are informed, we will know what to do and not find ourselves in a situation where things get to the ex- extreme stage before we say, oh, how come nobody saw it? Hmm. Uh, you know, um, one of the biggest risks for suicide is depression. So um, if you find that somebody... Um, 
has a crestfallen appearance, uh, keeps to themselves, um, may have lost um, appetite or maybe eating too much, maybe sleeping too much or not sleeping at all. Uh, that person has slowed um, down in, in uh, their physical movements and so forth. And you can, you know, those are warning signs that the person is depressed. But it's not every depressed person who has suicidal thoughts. So sometimes if you begin to hear people expressing, um, you know, statements like, uh, you know, if I, if I weren't here, um, things would be okay for everybody. For example, um, some expressing thoughts that seem to say they, they don't matter. And then you have to begin to listen. Um, if you find that they they don't want to be with anybody, they isolate themselves and they also express these thoughts, then you really need to begin to ask, you know, what's going on? Um, Let me take you, Angie, to the, the, the everyday situations that confront us. I try mm-hmm. to develop a matrix of annoying things, annoying things. And I said I will list them for you today, for you to grade them for me. Which one is the most, <laughs> which one is the, which one triggers uh, mental health issues more than more than the other? So let me give you a couple of things that came up on my list. I randomly sat down and said, if somebody were having stress issues, mm-hmm. um, what, what 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 would be the likely source, not signs, or the source? So number one, I wrote being broke. A big one. A big one. Okay, being broke. The number two. I wrote relationship issue. Yes. Number three, I wrote the environment, like noise by churches and bars in your area at night. Yes, yes. Coming from a pastor, that doesn't sound very nice, but I'm telling you, it's real. Yes, I, I believe that. I believe that. Yes. So, so, so one is one is money issues. Two is relationship issues. Three is noise in the environment. And then it would also seem that helplessness is one thing that people sometimes just can't deal with. Yes. If you can't stop the noise, if, you, um, if you've tried to get a job and you can't find it, if you've lost a dear one and there doesn't seem to be any way in which you, you can find some good, you know, replacement although it's difficult to replace people, but find another friend or or relative to hold you through it, yes. A sense of helplessness can, you know. Or, or the thinking, you know, what does it matter? You know, after all, what does it matter? And one of our listeners just sent a, a text that when somebody is driving recklessly and you, you, you ask them and they insult you, it's very painful because you know you can't do anything about it, but it's very painful. <laughs> is it true? <laughs> But you and I know that that is true. <laughs> yes. The traffic is annoying. But, but when somebody crosses you and literally ignores you and, and even insults you when you complain, I hear it's, very, it's one of the high ones. But Albert, that, that goes away very quickly, unless you have an anger management problem. You know, you can say to yourself, Tono, I mean, <laughs> in your car, and let it pass. You can insult the person in your head and let it pass. Is that one of, is that, is that one of the remedies? Yes, you have to find... <laughs> you mean you can officially insult the person in your head and let it pass? Let it pass. What are you going to do? They've gone on ahead. They've crossed you and they've, or they've insulted you and they've gone. What are you going to do? Before you go, Angie, let me, let me, let me ask for help. 
let me ask for help. Not just for loved ones or people going through difficulty, but those who are listening to us. And, and last week, you know that after after we closed, I mean, the text messages that kept coming in, the calls kept coming in, people are saying, this mm-hmm. is very difficult mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. When a person begins to see these symptoms that you describe, they mm-hmm. feel crestfallen, they feel helpless, mm-hmm. they feel just like being alone, they feel like it's not worth it, they feel this pressure is too much, they feel, mm-hmm. I need to do something if the situation won't, won't change. Mm-hmm. How can they get help? What should they do? What um, options are open to them? Mm, mm. I think a lot of people find their pastors, their, their solid pastors, very, very helpful. Are you there? Very much, very much, yes. very much. Okay, okay. So they find uh, in, in churches where they are good, there's a good support base, there's, there's an even partially trained counselor. That could be like your first um, uh, place to stop and say, I'm going through these difficulties, can you help me out? So that's, um, that's like one um, place to start. And if 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 it, uh, the the pastor finds that this is really impossible, um, they've given you all the help, and they they find that it's a clinical situation, then you I think you can go see your doctor. That's a first good point of call. Go see your doctor and say, I am in trouble. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I need help. They'll refer you um, to a good psychologist or a good counselor. So well, you start by going yeah. to your GP, not to the psychologist. You can, if you can find a psychologist, go to the psychologist. If you can find your counselor, go to the whatever. And, and if you can find a GP, go to the GP. So your summary will be that talk to somebody and get help. Get help. But, you know, you'll find that you're not the only person that's going through it. And that's comforting. Somebody will listen to you at the very least. In, um, we have in um, maybe half the districts around the country, we have young psychology um, graduates called the Psych Corps, and they work with community psychiatric nurses in various districts. And they are trained to listen and to hold your hands through um you know, very stressful times, and then to get you help through a psychologist, the community psychiatric nurse, or the doctors. So, Angie, um, I want to say a big thank you to you for, for these thoughts that you've shared. One thing you've made us understand, you can find help either from your pastors, from your GP, mm-hmm. from your mm-hmm. counselors, from mm-hmm. your psychologists, but absolutely mm-hmm. get help. And last week, you put it very absolutely. beautifully. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It is a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, absolutely. Professor Angela Ufuriasa. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you, Albert. Right. So those were the thoughts of the experts. I'm going to come to you, Sam. Sam, does it make things a bit easier for you as somebody managing people? Yeah, I I think that basically those are the thoughts and and lines that we are taking. Just making it possible for people to seek help without the stigma. What, what, do you think of this? what do you think of this idea of a, a, a hot helpline somewhere that even people who are... Because like Riley said, yeah. even when you want to provide a fiscal facility, you are thinking yeah. of where to hide it so that exactly. you're, you're not seen going there. Meanwhile, yeah. elsewhere, you can walk in freely whistling and smiling. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. So can it, we get a helpline? Something, I mean, just let me, let me push you further. Can, yeah. we get a, um, can we think of an idea of a helpline? Some a line people can call and or anonymous 
way of getting help without feeling that. Yeah. Okay. What we are seeking to do now is to bring in that counselor. Right. Get him seated, you know. Or her. They know him or her, yes. They know where he is. His line then eventually becomes the the hotline for people to reach out to. Because, you see, if I'm to walk into Sambuafu and tell Sambuafu, I have a Some of have issues. Why would Amos for the data skin segment. Amos is saying that, Charlie, before the age of 18, the problem has started. Amos, what do you have for us today? The data risking segment provides credible data for decision making, analysis, and prediction. Our statistic of the day is stress and mental health, part two. The 2012 annual report of the chief medical officer in the UK revealed that 75% of mental illnesses start before a child reaches their 18th birthday. Mm. Social media is a major contributing factor to mental health. According to a survey in 2017 by the Royal Society for Public Health, Britons aged 14 to 24 believe that social media has detrimental effect on their well-being. And they say this because of the following five things. Number one, it exacerbated anxiety and depression. Mm. Two, it deprived them of sleep. Three, it exposed them to bullying. Four, it created worries about their body image. And five, it caused fear of missing out. Formal. Fear of missing out. Amos, is a very interesting perspective you bring to this discussion. The fact that social media, which is obviously a very powerful tool, can also be a place that can create mental health challenges for people, especially the, the younger ones before they hit 18, and they are very impressionable adolescents, and they could be struggling. Juju, let's go to the Game Changer segment. But before that, you yourself are very, very active on social media. Are you surprised to hear this? Nope. So, perspective is very important. Yeah, um, I think social media can be, it's a mixed bag, because while there's an opportunity to connect with so many people that add value to your life, it's a bit more about curating your online experience to make sure that it's overall beneficial to your mental health as well. Right. Give us a a game changer segment. So last week, I was in a taxi when the driver decided to buy water at a stoplight. And he quickly found a seller who gave him a bottle of water. But then the seller did something curious. While he was pressing for a sale, he started to encourage the driver to buy some water for me. And a few seconds into his pitch to sell a second bottle, the light turned green. And the seller started counting money really quickly and suddenly exclaimed, Me mean, sister, I don't have change. All of a sudden, a promising situation became dire. Now the other cars around us started honking furiously And while the seller was scrambling to find his change, the driver moved and dropped the bottle on the street. This week, our game changer is consolidation. While there was nothing wrong with the seller wanting to double his sales, the real problem was that he had not concluded the first sale to begin with. So while chasing his second sale, he lost the first one by not having his change ready. What does that tell us? Essentially, you have to secure what you have before you chase more. And this principle applies in business as well. Mismanaging expansion causes one in every 10 business failures. So how do we avoid losing what we have as we focus on growth? Step one, define your objectives. Asking questions like, why do I want to grow? In what areas do I want to grow? Can help you be more intentional in the way you execute. Step two, consolidate. Make sure your current operation can sustain itself 
without consent attention. And step three, build on your strengths. It's easier to add a juice line to a water company than to add a poultry farm. Today, the saying a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush comes to mind, but it only works on one condition. The bird actually has to be in your hand. This week, let us look to consolidate what we have as a foundation to build even more. This has been The Game Changer with Georgia Okren. Have a phenomenal week. A phenomenal week is what we wish for every single one of you, our listeners. Let the pastor in me pray that God will surprise you in this month of February with blessings beyond your wildest dreams. May the work of your hands prosper, especially those working very hard. May God prosper you and guide you this this month in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah, someday you say the amen because I know you tomorrow. <laughs> your, your big meeting is tomorrow. You need the amen for that. Some your closing thoughts for today. Well, it's been an enlightening session. Um, and for me personally, it's also a, a confirmation that the steps that we are taking, you know, making it possible for guys at Cal, you know, to have access to, you know, help. If, she, if they have any mental health issue, is a positive one. And just as uh, a prof said, let me just quickly chip in there that um, the National Service people posted to Carbank last year went to renovate a ward at the psychiatric hospital, the male infirmary ward, refurbished the place as part of the contribution to making sure that if people really needed to be referred, at least we've made it possible for the facility to be able to cater for one of our own. Excellent, excellent. Let me just tell you my big takeout from the show today. And it's not one of the ones that you may have paid attention to because there were ex- exciting ones like when you notice a crestfallen appearance and uh, people keeping to themselves, slowing down considerably um, when they are battled by noise, by, by relationship issues, and very importantly, the money issues. But, and it's not even about the one about get help. Talk to your counselor, talk to your psychologist, or talk to your um, your pastor. The one that caught my attention today was a very subtle point, and it's about watching and listening to your friend. Watching and listening to your friend. Because how will you notice somebody's crestfallen if you are not watching, yep. if you are not listening? And there are some people who can talk to you and talk to you, and they are so excited about what they are seeing that they are not even noticing, noticing that you are quieter than usual, and you are not just yourself. Because to them, once they talk, everything is perfect. If you want to be a good friend, spend time to listen to the heart of your friend. Notice changes when they begin to take place, and you will be a great friend to that friend that you say you love. That's my big takeout from the show tonight. Next week, we switch to the subject of career. We begin to look at another dimension of career. And I'm telling you, this month of February, I'm going to bring you a message that has a very interesting perspective to the issue of pressure. I just want to give you that message as a gift how to achieve or learn excellence through pressure and you will love that message it will be my gift to you in this month of february coming up next the work with jesus and the topic is habits that ruin your marriage and reverend alan okome mensa of icgc christ temple who's a marriage counselor will be the guest and my brother reverend ransford abosi will be the host if you want to find out more about the springboard rose show the dates again kumasi is the 22nd of february it's a saturday the the show in 
Kepkus, the 7th of March, again a Saturday, and then the global convocation in Accra. That shows that wherever you are in the world, you must either attend physically or digitally. It's on the 21st of March. I wish you a beautiful month of February and may the Lord guide you every step of the way. My name is Albert Okran, and on behalf of Comfort Matthew, Priscilla, Amos, Emmanuel, and George, I want to say a big thank you to to Sam Wafo for joining us today. And Sam, let's do this again and look at how we can build a great year. Let me greet all our listeners who joined us online. Let me greet Miles Higan. You said this has been a very insightful topic and great discussion. Let me greet Mrs. Braco of Echo Bank. You said you'll be listening tonight. I know you are listening. Stanis Abaka says, I have been enlightened. Thank you, Reverend. Kwame Ekremen says, the spring water name has come to Tamale Baku. We'll talk about that, Kwame. Let's do that digitally. And then Stephen Ishering says, I am enjoying the discussion. This is simply great. My name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night.